Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us that name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. Hallelujah. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God forever. Amen. 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 You can be seated tonight. Praise God. The songwriter said, one day we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. Won't that be wonderful? We just keep on worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. Hallelujah. One of the songs said, I'm going to worship you forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I got five different songs going through my head. If we get into those, I'll never get to God's word. Hallelujah. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you for coming back tonight. Amen. Good to have our visitors. Anybody visiting here tonight? Praise the Lord. One, two. Come on. I'm talking to y'all. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Last, uh, last year, the week before Thanksgiving, um, I was privileged to preach revival over at Oasis Church in Joplin. And um, man, God began to move in such a powerful way. I believe one night we had something like five or six or seven children filled with the Holy Ghost. I just preached the way I preach from the King James. I spit, I scream, I sweat. You know, it is what it is. An hour and a half, whatever it takes for me to get done preaching. And then I gave the altar call, and here come little children. And when the adults were done praying, the kids weren't done praying. Hallelujah. And you know, sometimes little kids are just looking around to see if anybody's praying for them. And uh, they just kept on pressing in, and one by one, God began to fill them with the Holy Ghost. And one little girl was 11 years old, and she got filled, and she wasn't satisfied with a little tongue. She just wanted that river to keep on flowing. After a while, she wasn't just talking in tongues. She's standing there dancing in the Spirit for, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. And I went to her afterwards and just kind of interviewed her, got her name, asked her what it was like. I thought she's a good Pentecostal girl raised in that church all 11 years of her life. And pastor said, oh no, her mama checked into drug rehab on Tuesday and she's now in the care of a foster care family in our church. This is brand new to her. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Well, I wasn't raised that way. Neither was anybody in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Neither was anybody at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. Neither was anybody in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Neither was Paul, and he said, I speak in tongues much more than you all. Hallelujah. Everybody in the Bible that got filled with the Holy Ghost was not raised this way. But those little kids got filled, and there's nothing more genuine. You, don't, you can't find a child that'll go do something for 30 minutes without asking for a tablet or a, or a video game or something. But when the Spirit of God is moving on them to the point that adults are wore out and children are still pressing in. How many know that's revival? Praise God. We went through Sunday of that week and Pastor leaned over to me and said, can we go on? I said, Thanksgiving's this week. Can I go home for some turkey and stuffing and gravy and dressing and, and then come back next week? He said, yeah, we'll take a break and we'll come back next week. And so we took a break and went on another week in revival. And good to have uh, a few from Oasis here tonight. Would you make them welcome? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to worship you forever. I'm going to worship you. Oh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. We get to sing his name forever and ever and ever. Would you stand briefly to your feet for the reading of God's word? I gave you a little break to sit down. Amen. Let's stand. I have two passages tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. How many are thankful for a pastor that will schedule revival in the middle of a pandemic? Amen. And say we want a move of God more than anything else. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? 
He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. I love that passage right there. A God who came down because we were down, but caught back up to pick us up again. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Praise God. I want to preach with the help of the Lord tonight on the seesaw principle. The seesaw principle. How many out here in the Midwest call it a teeter-totter? I can't say teeter-totter with an anointing. That just doesn't sound right. So you just translate it in your brain when I say seesaw. He's talking about teeter-totter. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask God that you would speak to our hearts tonight from the youngest to the eldest. Draw us into your presence in a way that arrests our thoughts and rebukes every distraction. And let God, the power of this resurrection gospel, crowbar people up and out of low places. We thank you for the lifting power of resurrection. And we give you thanks for how you're going to move in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray and God's people said amen. Amen. You can be seated. I, I don't even know if they have seesaws on playgrounds anymore. I don't know. If you've never seen one, you might have to go to a museum. Seems like the stuff we had on playgrounds when I was growing up, man, seems like for sure liberals would have outlawed all that stuff by now. You do not get on a merry-go-round to be safe. You do not want a little person your height to get on the merry-go-round with you. You want the tallest, fastest adult you can find to push that thing until there is carnage flying in every direction. Do they even have such things anymore? Oh, man, this generation is missing out on concussions and all kind of good stuff. You do not want a little person to push you on a swing. You want somebody that will launch you so that if you get out of the swing at, high, at the zenith of the arc, that when you hit the ground, you lose your breath. Amen. I don't know. The X Games at my playground, I'm talking about full Red Bull experiences when I was growing I was wanting the most uh, adrenaline as a child as possible. Is there a little boy in the room that will say amen? I said, is there a little boy in the room that will say amen? No? Okay. Praise the Lord. And, and, and yet there was this thing called a seesaw. I don't know if they have them because it requires cooperation. And in this socially awkward generation, I don't know if people are willing to cooperate and talk to each other anymore. So I, I guess little kids don't really care, do they? But you don't want a big person on the other side of a seesaw. You want somebody your size. And if you've never seen one, I, I, I think uh, in Spanish it's just like real simple. It's called like arriba y abajo. It's like go up, come down. That's what a seesaw is called in Spanish. Uh, this lady was telling me in Puerto Rico, we just call it you go up, you come down. <laughs> That's it. You get on one side and you're sitting and the other person's standing. And that fulcrum in the middle, you have that leverage point. Just super simple. Amen. No technology, no electricity required. One person sits down and when the standing person sits down, the other person comes comes up all right if you didn't google it by now and you didn't know what I was talking about that's what I'm talking about it's a seesaw somebody say seesaw oh hallelujah y'all getting a little southern now getting out of that teeter-totter country down to the south where we call it a seesaw you get more anointed when you call it a seesaw I want to speak just briefly to you tonight on the power of the seesaw principle I've prayed with so many people and in the altar tried to get them to understand this small principle and I thought Lord why am I, why am I breaking it in on the altar when I could just tell them from the very beginning of the service the uprising power of God comes to us when we are in in a low place. That is the whole gospel. Amen. He was so high we call him the most high. There's no substance that will take you higher. There's no drug that will take you higher. There's no adrenaline that will take you higher. He's so high we call him the, the, the superlative. The most high. And yet when we were down we could not get up. So he who was high looked low and said if they're going to get up from there we got to go down. He came down so we could get up. And when he came amongst us he gave us the principles of the kingdom it's a seesaw kingdom he said if you're going to rise up in leadership in this kingdom you've got to get down and serve one another we had a foot washing two days ago at our retreat i hosted a, a, a retreat in uh in florida 16 ministers uh different kind of pastors young men 
uh, interested in ministry. And man, a lot of places don't have foot washings anymore. We barely shake hands, much less wash feet. Amen. But it was powerful. Been a long time since I had a foot washing. When I sat down, for, when it was my turn to have my feet washed, I, I, I wasn't overwhelmed at first by the, the humility of somebody washing my feet as much as I was by the puddle of tears in the seat when I sat down from all those that had had to sit there while others served them. Powerful that Jesus girded himself with a towel and got down and washed his disciples' feet and turned the very dirt off of his feet and said, do ye likewise. Serve one another. It's a seesaw principle. If you want to rise up in, in, in wealth, go down in generosity. Give. If you want to find life, you've got to lose it. All the things in this New Testament seem to be a paradox. They seem to be opposite of this world but we understand that there is a principle that when everything else is going wrong mama knows that that family is going crazy the only power she has is when she goes down on her knees and when she goes down in prayer and down in intercession down in the humility of fasting all of a sudden God will start picking that family up out of that low place that's the formula for revival, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, he's going to say, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. But before those ingredients come, ingredient number one, he says, humble yourself. How are we going to have revival, Brother Robert? We're going to get back down in a low place. Amen. Some of us have been humbled by circumstances. Some of us have been humbled by the things of life that have beat us up and pulled us down. Some of us have been humbled by our own decisions. Can we be honest here tonight? Some of us carry the guilt and shame of life that like gravity have a constant downward pull. And though we are cast down, we are not yet destroyed. Hallelujah. We have a God with resurrection lifting power. <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this story because I'm not good at impersonations, but I feel like telling you anyways. A missionary to South Africa told me of a Zulu preacher who was preaching with that strong African accent. I'm going to try it. Y'all just laugh if you want to, but it, it, it goes better in African accent than it does just regular American Southern. And this African pastor, he said there was a bushman out in the bush hunting a buffalo a water buffalo hallelujah you know what i'm going to can you can you translate you hear what i'm saying he said and the bushman was hunting with a spear and he threw the spear from a far distance and it hit the water buffalo and the buffalo went down on his knees down on his haunches and the, uh, the hunter he thought i have now the advantage i will go and i will cut his throat i will have dinner for my family but what that hunter did not know is that when the buffalo goes down on his knees he is not in a weak position. He is in an attack position. Oh, come on in here. I said that when the buffalo goes down, he is not in a weak position. He is in a striking position. Let me tell you the rest of the story. One of those two didn't survive that day, and it wasn't the buffalo that was killed. It was the bushman. Hallelujah. When the hunter of that roaring lion, that adversary seeking whom he may devour, hits you with a blow and knocks you down in a low place, I've come to tell somebody tonight, it's when you are low that you are teetering in a position for the uplifting, amen, the resurrecting, the reviving power of God. I may be knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. You should have hit me harder, devil. You should have knocked me over. You should have took me out while you had a chance. You left enough breath in me that while I was humbled, I could call on the name of the lifting power of God. And I'm getting back up now. I'm getting back up now. Praise the Lord. Amen. Point number one, let the worshipers and the warriors arise. We preached on worship this morning, but I'm going to hit it again right here. I was privileged to preach in Loosedale, Mississippi at a, at a conference where they had people in song come and lead worship. Anybody heard of people in song? Charity Gale, that group. Amen. They wrote some wonderful songs in the last several years. And while I was there uh, preaching and they were singing, the leader of that group, Jenny Riddle, she wrote, Revelation song. You know what song I'm talking about? She was there and she said, Robert, would you come and spend a couple days with us up at our house in LaPorte, Indiana? We write songs. We have house worship. I said, there's nothing I'd love more than just to be in a house full of worshipers. It's a big old, uh, a big old house that was built in the late 1800s by like a, I think maybe a railroad tycoon's wife. He passed away. She had all this money. 
She didn't want to live alone, but she didn't want to remarry. So she built a big manor with 30-something suites, and she invited all of her widow friends to come move in with her. And so every bedroom has its own living room and its own bathroom with a big dining room and all this shared, uh, shared living space. And they all moved in there, and now they've made it their compound for songwriting. I, I think... Um, I think Lauren Daigle went through some of their songwriting school years ago. It's, a, it's an awesome place. So I went up, and I was there for a few days. She made me write a song. I said, that's not what I'm here for. She said, you're going to write a song. So that was an awesome experience. And then she said, the ministry of people in song is to introduce the bride back to her voice. I thought, wow. It's to pass the voice back to the bride. She said, we are never in a place that we are giving a concert. We are simply leading people in worship until the bride takes the lead and we're no longer needed. <sighs> Praise God. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I've been in many a services where all of a sudden the person on the microphone and on the instruments was no longer the lead dancer. But the moving of what was happening in the service been, began to come from the impulses of another. There was a corporate direction. There was a corporate unity. And yet it wasn't coming from the platform. It was something of the Spirit of God. If you've never lived close to the ocean, maybe you're not familiar. But there's a tide that both pu pushes you down the coastline. And then there can be a rip current that can take you out to sea. And any safe mother will be there on the, on the shore seeing her children play in shallow waters. All the while the, the tide is pushing them down. And she'll say, hey, come back where I I am come back where I can see you and then if they get a little bit too far she'll say be careful that 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 rip current might try to pull you out come back up where it's safe I, I need you to hear me tonight religion has been screaming at spirit-filled people for the last several decades saying don't go too far out don't go far out where that current begins to take you don't go out where you lose control. Ezekiel said there's a place in this river where it's not ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, or neck deep, but it's waters to swim in. The problem is when you can't touch bottom, all of a sudden you have to give way to the current of something greater. I remember prior to, there was a shift actually in our country. I don't have any experience a lot in one church, but I have a lot of experience with churches across the country. And I remember a shift that happened Right about the time that American Idol, America's Got Talent, The Voice, and all those X-Factor shows became popular. Prior to that, it seemed that at least in spirit-filled churches, people prayed, tried to get an anointing, and if they got up to minister, they weren't looking for claps. They weren't looking for good jobs. They were trying their best to connect with something from the up, up above that would connect with God's people, that would begin to lift, that would begin to move people into the presence of God. But, but man, we went to church and then went home and had it on DVR and watched America's ta Got Talent, American Idol, until all of a sudden people started singing specials and memorizing stuff to sing with a soundtrack and, and, and they weren't lifting their hands they weren't worshiping they were performing all of a sudden something began to shift I know we've got a wonderful auditorium it's beautiful the renovations pastor took me on a tour last time I was here I love it but friend there is no difference between those on this platform that worship and those in those seats that worship my Bible says let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord you may like him or not like him I don't really care but Bishop T.D. Jake said a while back, he said, I remember when we didn't have to hire worship leaders because everybody was a singer. And we didn't have to pay people to have a choreographed dance because everybody had a dance. Hallelujah. Amen. There is a current that will pull God's people deeper into his presence, deeper into a place where you lose control. Worship like a surge will begin to rise. But religion says, hey, you're getting too far out there. Come on back up to where the safe place is. You're going to scare the visitors. Come, on, come back up where there's... It's shallow and it's safe. C.M. Ward pastored in California years ago. He was at some, some function and the governor was there. He introduced himself and without hesitation said, Governor, I'd like you to come to our, our, our Pentecostal church in Southern California. It was a large church, a lot of influential people in the church, but it was a Holy Ghost filled church. The governor came on a Sunday night. How many know when Pentecostals come to a night service? It's just a little bit different. Come on, we're just, we're kind of like werewolves. 
We might fit in with the Episcopalian Sunday morning, but Sunday night come, the moon comes out, we take on our true form. Hallelujah. It's still light outside. We got to wait till it gets dark, then we're going to really show out. <laughs> hey, somebody getting nervous. You shouldn't have come on a Sunday night. Hey, man, he said that, that, that governor of California came on Sunday night. He said, we had a gully washer. We had a move of God. He said, I didn't get to preach. Altars were full. People getting healed, delivered, power of God saving. He said, when it was all over, I'm at the back. I'm shaking hands. The governor's walking out, and he said, well, we're so thankful you came. He said, I didn't apologize. I just told him, we're glad you came. Hope you can come back sometime. And the governor of California said, on one condition, preacher. He said that I get to hear some more of that speaking in tongues. Hear me, friend. The devil has lied to the Pentecostal church for the last 30 years and said if you'll be more sophisticated, if you'll get everything just down to a place where you don't offend anybody, amen, you can build a bigger congregation. Everybody will get along with you. You can hold memberships in all the Rotary Clubs and everything in town. Everybody will like you. Oh, friend, but in the midst of it, we moved into a shallow place and we've got kids in Pentecostal churches struggling with suicidal thoughts. We raised our young people in their to substances but there is a power that will pull you deeper into the presence of God if you'll let that worship begin to pull it's time for the bride to find her voice something of the spontaneity something of the impulse of the spirit cannot be choreographed cannot be it cannot be put on the schedule of the order of the service it is uprising that when a church is in a low place the spirit of God will begin to lift them up Hallelujah. Pastor, would you come and help me just sit somewhere up here on the platform? Pastor Sean, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Doug, amen. Pastor Lewis, Pastor Stephanie, if you're here, Pastor Ron, would you just come and sit with me on the platform real quick? Amen. I didn't give any of them prior notice except, uh, except, uh, except Pastor Josh. Amen. I'm going to need one more chair. Somebody bring me one more chair. Here he comes. Here he comes. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Give your leadership a hand real quick. Come on, do a little bit better than that. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. All right, now let me show you something. Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13. Put it up for me, please. Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13 is talking about the inauguration of Solomon's temple. Track with me right here. The temple's done being built, and this is what begins to happen. It came to pass that as the trumpeters and singers were as one. Now the musicians at the temple and the singers at the temple were Levites. They were priests. That as they begin to make a noise, to make a sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, that when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, say, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That's what the choir of priests were singing. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister. Wow. By reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Oh, we got good services, Brother Robert. I told you, I told the intercessors that hold me up in prayer, I'm not praying for good services this week. I'm looking for more than goosebumps. I'm looking for more than splashing around in the shallow wind of the pool. Hallelujah. I want God to move in such a way that we'll never be the same again. That Christ point will never be the same again. Praise God. The cloud descended. And the priest could not stand to minister. How do you explain that? The easiest way I explain falling out in the spirit is nothing super spiritual or uh, some great phenomena. I simply tell people that God moves in a way that you can't stand anymore. You go down because you can't stand up. Why do people got to jump? Because power of God touched them. They couldn't stand still. Why do people run? Because God moved on them. They couldn't stand still. Amen. Something happened where the preach, the priest could not stand to blow their trumpet, to sing their song, to do any of the work of the ministry because the glory of the Lord. In the same book, two chapters later, we're still dealing with the inauguration of the temple. And read this with me. In chapter 7, it says that as Solomon was praying and made an end of praying, that fire came down from heaven. They didn't like that sacrifice. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. 
And when all the children of Israel saw how fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Now we have in chapter 5 the priests leading worship, and they're singing, For the Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Then the glory makes the, the, the minister sit down, lay down, get down, and then all of a sudden fire falls, and then the preachers can't sing, and the ministers can't worship, and all of a sudden there's an uprising in the congregation. They've come from all over Israel. Hundreds of thousands have come to this moment, and somewhere out there, without any prompting from somebody in leadership, they started saying, they may be slain in the spirit, they may can't get up off the floor, amen, but we still got a song, and all of Israel begins to say, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. I didn't give it to him in the back, but Psalm 118 says the same thing. Now let Israel say that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Now let them who fear the Lord say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. We live in 2021. I was thinking as the power of God was touching our sister over here and she's spinning like a top. I was thinking about a time my granddaddy told me when he's evangelizing that, that he got up. He said it was a dead dry service, but God said, tonight's Holy Ghost night. He got up and announced in the middle of that dry service. People were standing. He said, God said, tonight's Holy Ghost night. He said, nothing pumped up from the drums, nothing moved by the instruments, no, no music, no nothing. Just the announcement of the word of God. He said, 12 people fell out in the Holy Ghost. Nobody laid hands on them. A boy started jumping like a jackrabbit from the back. God filled him with the Holy Ghost right at that moment. And a 16-year-old girl on the front row started spinning like a top, speaking in tongues. God filled her at that moment. And just for a moment, that memory came. And I thought, God, I would have loved to have been there. And then I remembered when I got to live. Oh, friend, we're not in a lesser time we're in a greater time we may be the ones that get to see him split that eastern sky hallelujah in the last days he will pour out of his spirit on all flesh you're clapping all right but your amen is kind of weak tonight i said we are going to live in a great generation of great revival we will see an outpouring on all flesh hallelujah i'm living for that friend praise god but in the midst of this great generation on the precipice of revival, how many know there's also pressure pushing on our pastors? You shouldn't have opened up so soon. You should have opened up sooner. We should have the service in the parking lot, not be in the building. You should wear a mask and wear gloves. You shouldn't wear a mask or wear gloves. Oh, my. We shouldn't be online. We should be online. You're doing it wrong. All kinds of pressure from governments, from denominations, from politics. Pressure, pressure, pressure pushing down. Sometimes it's the world. Sometimes it's physical health. Sometimes a pastor just needs to go on vacation. But sometimes the glory falls and God says, sit down. Let me work. Let me move. We're just going to illustrate the seesaw principle tonight, if y'all don't mind. Pastors, would you stand for me? I'm going to cue you. And you're going to say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Now, these are Pentecostals, so I don't know if they'll stand still or not. They might take a lap. Amen. If you can, I just need you to say it. And then I'm going to represent all the pressures of this world that push on you. It's not the easiest job being in ministry. I don't know what she's signing up for. The hardest thing of being in ministry is not being the pastor. It's being the pastor's wife. Amen. Start putting her on the top of your prayer list. But when the world pushes down, when physical ailments push down, when discouragement pushes down, or even when God says, take a break and sit down, it's the cue for the church. When they sit down, go ahead, just get ready. Put, get, your, get your hand on the seat next to you. I don't want y'all to slide up. I want y'all to jump up and shout, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Just say those words so I know you know what we got. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Has he been good to you? I said, has he been good to you? You're still alive. You're still above the ground. Come on. Hallelujah. All right. Hallelujah. Pastors, I want you to shout it out. Go. For the Lord is good. Sit down. That was good practice. Sit down. Stand up. Come on, Seesaw. Don't say it yet. <laughs> 
Now you know what to say. Now you know what we're doing. But I want you to do more than just follow this mold, this motions that we're going through. I want you to understand. Sometimes, anybody remember one of those teachers that when the bell rang and you was trying to get to your locker and trying to get out to see your friends in the hall and you was trying to get to the next class and you're shoving your notebook in your backpack and you're trying to get up out of your desk and the teacher said, sit down. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I do. Anybody remember those teachers? See, the Holy Ghost says, sometimes Pastor Sean's done singing, but I'm not done moving on you. Sometimes Pastor dismisses, but you're still in the corner of the altar because God's not done with it. Does anybody know that kind of move of God, that the Holy Ghost arrests you, that you have a tongue and interpretation of prophecy? you got to be laid in the floor while everybody else is going to Mexican. Hallelujah. Get an uprising tonight. When the church is knocked down, they're teetering on the uprising of worshipers and warriors. Hallelujah. Come on, pastors. For the Lord is good. Sit down. Oh, y'all are getting a little bit better. Sit down. Y'all stand up. Hallelujah. Come on, children. I need you to do it with mom and dad tonight. I want to hear a scream. I want to hear a shout. I want to hear something that makes the devil terrified that the devil knows even if I put something on them and they go through a season where they got to sit down. Amen. There's people in this church that say, we'll take it, pastor. We'll intercede, pastor. We'll worship, pastor. We'll go to the hospital. We'll call the shut-ins. Hey, we're going to be a church of those that uprise, that rise up. Hallelujah. I know you're down, and when you're down, your pastor will stand for you. Amen. But they're men and women too. And when they get knocked down, you better get the uprising of something that says, just because the priests were slain in the spirit, hey, it's my turn to magnify God. Go ahead. For the Lord. Sit down. For the oh, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, give us an uprising of worshipers. Give us an uprising of warriors. Give us an uprising of those in our congregation, out in the pews and out in the seats that say, God, we want a Holy Ghost move of God, not just the pastors. Hallelujah, God, you don't have to pay me. Lord, you don't have to hire me. Just let me be filled with your Holy Ghost. Anoint me, use me, empower me, fill me, God. Oh, I want an uprising. In our children's ministry, in our youth ministry, God, I want an uprising. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, pastors. Y'all can go down. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Is there an elder at Christ Point Church, unashamed of the sound of their voice, that can say, I've been through hell and high water. I've had a long road, but I'm still here, and I can testify, for the Lord is good. I need an elder with gray hair to stand up right now and say, for the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Go ahead, brother. Woo! Hallelujah. That's the testimony of his word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I, I wish there was, I wish there was a child. Come on, let's get both bookends. The elders and the young ones. Amen. Children's pastors in here tonight. Some of the little ones are in here tonight. Is there somebody five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, unashamed to stand up and shout, the Lord is good? Any of you? Shout it. I'm coming for you. Stay right there. Hallelujah. Get up on that seat. Get up on that seat. Say it again. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Woo! <laughs> Glory! Oh, y'all shout better if they was running a touchdown at a little league game. You'd shout better if it was a, a, a home run for your grandbaby. Oh, but that's a child of God saying, I don't need somebody to put me on a platform. But the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God give us an uprising in these children, in our generation. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. You may be seated. Woo, praise the Lord. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's tried to cancel and silence us. But when everything else is pushing down, let something organic rise up in the bride of Christ. We're about to see him, church. I said, we're about to see the lover of our soul. 
I don't know about you, but I won't need I don't want to have to need a worship leader when I get there. I want to say I already practiced. I know how to call you. I know how to worship you. I know how to say blessing and honor and wisdom and power and riches and strength and dominion be unto the lamb and unto unto the throne forever and ever. I will worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Number 1, let the worshipers arise and number 2, let those that are lost and bound rise up in this resurrection gospel. This is the centerpiece of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15 says, If Christ be not raised, our faith is in vain. He got down because we were down. Robert, you don't know how low I am. You don't know how hard the pull is on my life right now. I just went through a divorce. I just filed bankruptcy. I'm just trying my best to keep food on the table for my babies. You don't know how low I am. I'm itching for some substance that nobody knows I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with. I, I'm, on, I'm, I'm on pain meds. You don't know where I'm at, Robert. I've got good news for you, friend. He got lower than you've ever been. To, to, to declare to you that no matter how low you go, this gospel of uprising will work for you too. We quoted in the Apostles' Creed this morning that he descended into the lower parts of the earth. And when we read it again tonight in Ephesians 4, who was he that ascended except for he that also descended? He led captivity captive and he went low. Oh, Brother Robert, it's bad. Are you still breathing? Because he got six foot under low for you. He got dead low for you. So that as long as you're alive, you can know he went down, down, down. Oh, there's rising power for those that find themselves in a low place tonight. Jesus had a ministry of getting down for his people. He came down from heaven all the way down, not to a penthouse, not to a palace, but all the way down to a manger. He walked our dirty streets. He held our children. Amen. He wiped away our leprosy and opened our blinded eyes. And then when he found us caught in the act of adultery and we were thrown at his feet, hallelujah, he got down and began to ride in the dirt. Whoo, hallelujah. When Jesus gets down, just know there's power for that person to get up. The other religious people were rising with stones to throw, to beat her down. Amen. Religion with its judgmental attitude will heap on stones of guilt and shame. But you have a Christ that gets low when you are low. Oh, I don't know if there's enough power just to pull me up, Brother Robert. We're not talking about just a, a little lift. We're talking about a crowbar gospel. That when it do, when come on, you ever had to remove a nail up out of something that didn't want to let it go? Amen. You put in a crowbar. You say you're coming up whether you want to or not. Hallelujah. The gospel is powerful enough to break every addiction and every bondage. And when we're thrown at his feet, he gets down so that you can get up again. That's the purpose of the gospel. But put that verse up for me. Amen. In, in, uh, I believe it's in Mark. It says, and after he ascended, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Next verse in Hebrews. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, somebody say it, sat down. Somebody say it. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. One more verse in Hebrews. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, say it, sat down on the right hand of God. The bailiff says, all rise, the judge is coming into the room. But when the judge sits down, now there's ruling power. Now there's judicial authority. Now things are going to be set in order. Jesus came to do a work, and when it was finished, when he had shed his blood, when he had cried out, Father, forgive, forgive them, when he had cried out, it is finished, hallelujah, he rose from the dead, amen, he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and when he got there, the Father didn't say, you got some work to do because they're still messed up. He said, oh, no, son, you're done. Now sit down. And when Jesus sat down, Peter, who didn't have enough boldness to stand up to a little girl in a courtyard. Amen. All of a sudden now, he, when Jesus sat down, Peter stood up. 
stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached until thousands got saved. Oh, friend, this seesaw principle says that Christ came low to pick you up. Amen. But when he got up, amen, on high, he sat. Now there's power for you to use this resurrection anointing for you. That's the gospel. Hallelujah. He got down so that you could get up. My favorite verse in the whole Bible, it's the password to my Wi-Fi in my apartment in Orlando, Florida, is Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. And it says, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. It's my favorite verse because it simply means he got up so you can get up. But the uprising that God has for those that are low, if you're low in sin, the power of the gospel can rip you up out of that place. See, there's people in this room that you say, Robert, I'd let go of some things if I was holding on to it, but it seems like I'm not holding on to it. It seems like it's holding on to me. Friend, the gospel can pull you up out of that. The gospel can rip you out of the clutches of anything the enemy has tried to wrap around you. Any dark place, there's lifting power. But point number three, and what I've really come to say is that there's power when the Spirit of God wants to stand up in you that your own flesh and your own will and your own ego and your own plans and your own selfish ambition and your own control and your own maneuvering and your own I've got it figured out has to sit down so he can stand up. Man, it's just the simplest little thought I know we're in elementary thinking tonight, but I've prayed with hundreds, if not thousands of people and said, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And I can't, I can't stand that bad theology when people say, well, I'll get filled when God wants me to get filled. Oh, I got a Greek word for that right here. Taking notes, write this one down. The Greek word for that theology sounds like this, baloney. It's bad theology. We don't believe that you can't get saved until a certain day on the calendar, that God's got something preordained. Amen. In October of 2023, it'll be your day. Amen. Even if you want to get saved, you can't get saved. You got to wait till God's predestined it for you. No, we believe today's the day of salvation, and whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. We believe in prevenient grace that's drawing all people unto himself. God not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. If you're here tonight and you're not born again, nobody in this church is going to say come back later when it's God's will we're going to say let's go to the throne right now let's get sit under the blood tonight amen you can be born again today so then why would we believe that carnal doctrine oh I can't get filled till God's ready if you got filled when God was ready you would have got filled about 0.5 seconds after you got washed in the blood that's why children are so easy to get filled with the Holy Ghost and lost people that have no church experience they get filled with the Holy Ghost easy too you know who's hard? Religious people. People raised in this. Amen. One of the boys on our retreat, 19 years old, I think, he, he said two nights ago on our last night of that retreat, he said, I've raised in church. My dad's a pastor. I've been to scores of youth camps. I've been in the altar. I've been to uh, 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 just so many revival services, he says, and I saw it for years, and I've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, you're going to get filled now. Well, how do you know? Because it's the will of God for you to be saved now. And it's the will of God for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost now. But you cannot stay standing in your own will. In your own, I'm going to say what I want to say. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And have an uprising of the Holy Ghost. Do you know on the day of Pentecost it says that they were all sitting? I don't know that I've ever heard anybody preach on that. But I'm going to preach it right now a little bit. Amen. When they sat down. They tried to figure out who's going to fill the place of Judas. They, they, they voted in uh, Matthias. They, they tried to figure out the government of the church. They tried to figure it all out. Finally, after 10 days of praying and waiting on the Lord, finally on the day of Pentecost, they all gone in one mind. Finally, they were wore out of their own endeavors, and they yielded, and they surrendered, and they submitted, and they sat down. And when they sat down, the Holy Ghost stood up. I'm telling you, there's a seesaw principle at work in this place tonight. Amen. When you finally get exhausted of trying to figure it out for yourself, 
When your plans are not working, when your schemes are not bringing the successful outcome you're looking for, amen, you can sit down in your, in your own energy, in your own willpower, and say, God, I just surrendered to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Point number one, sometimes the preacher has to sit down and the minister has to sit down. And when they sit down, the church can stand up. Praise God. Point number two, amen, when Jesus had come down, finished his work, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father, then the church could rise up rise up in redemption rise up in power but point number three not only does something tell the pastor sit down not only did the father tell the son at the right hand of power sit down amen but if you want more of the Holy Ghost this week if you want a baptism and a fresh infilling I've come to tell you sit down with your own religious scheming, your own plan. Sit down. Yield to the Lord. And when you do, it's so simple. There is a Holy Ghost ready to stand up in you. When he does, he's going to give you more than a tongue, more than an utterance. That'll come. Amen. But it's more than a prayer language, friend. There is a river that's trying to flow through you, but it's dammed up right behind your own willpower. Hallelujah. As soon as you say, I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care if I fall, stand, roll. I I don't care. God, I just want you. I'm going to sit down. Here comes the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. When he stands up, there's a river that will begin to flow. It's the seesaw principle. It's simple, but it's real tonight. Let me give you one illustration, then we're going to pray. Pastor Sean, would you help me, please? I don't know. He may want somebody to move these chairs for him. Praise the Lord. Listen to me right here. We don't need the whole worship team, just whoever he needs on, on instruments. Glory to God. I want to give as many people as possible the opportunity to pray tonight. Do you know that when a ship has sunk in a river, in the ocean, in any body of water, and somebody wants to excavate it from the bottom, there's already a problem that meant it couldn't stay buoyant. It couldn't hold water. They don't go down and fix the hole first. They don't go down and try to weld it until it's until it's airtight. They don't build some kind of structural contraption like an oil rig that's, that's secured to the bottom of the ocean and then send down a winch and a cable and begin to pull. You know what they do? They send down a scuba diver with an air hose and they fill the cabins of that ship with all kinds of of inflatable air bladders. They fill it with, with inner tubes. They fill it with something that will hold air. You know the word for the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament is ruach. And ruach means breath or wind or spirit. And the word for spirit in the New Testament is pneuma. P-N-E-U-M-A when we transliterate it into our alphabet. You've heard it already when you've heard of uh, uh, pneumonia. It's attack against the breath. Pneuma means breath or wind or spirit. But are there any men in a room that, well, it couldn't be, it could be women too. Anybody in the room, you ever framed a house with a hammer? Yes. Ever roofed a house with a hammer? Yes. Do you know what a hammer is? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all working on your grocery list? Where you at? You still tracking with me? You yes. know what a hammer is? And you ever have been working, just sweating away on top of a roof, working, putting up the frame of a house, working, 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 until all of a sudden, one of your rich friends that's got to show off all their new equipment, amen, they pull up in that big truck, and they say, let me show you what I got down at the Home Depot Lowe's. Oh, then they, they plug something into the wall, an air compressor, what are you going to do with that? I don't need nothing blown up around here. And then they take a hose on that air compressor and put a nail gun on it and what took you two weeks to frame all of a sudden they come behind you man you get to having so much fun with that thing you're looking for somebody that needs some shingles you're looking for something that needs I can help a whole I'll help the whole cul-de-sac rebuild something right now you're just looking for something amen it's called a pneumatic hammer a pneumatic drill a pneumatic machine pneuma Automatic, wind automatic, breath automatic. They take that pneumatic 
wind-powered, breath-powered equipment. And with a hose, they go down into dark places, down into murky waters, down into mud and coral and mollusks that have accumulated on a shipwreck. And then they begin to pump air into those inner tubes. And all of a sudden, something that couldn't stand on its own, something that couldn't stay above the pressure on its own, something that's been held down by the heaviness of that which is on top of it begins to give way. Everything that held it had to loose it. Hallelujah. And that air power begins to lift it up off the bottom. Oh, the songwriter says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Hallelujah. I was low. I made a shipwreck of my own life. Oh, but Christ came down. And when he got all the way down, hallelujah, he breathed on his disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Why do we need this, Jesus? He said, the same breath that filled my lungs on Sunday morning of Easter, that took a dead corpse and brought me back to life, is the same spirit, Numa, Ruach, that's going to breathe into you. It, is, it does come with speaking in tongues, but it's more than tongues, friend. It's power to overcome, power to live above the pressure, power to rise above the heaviness of this world. Oh, hallelujah. If the Holy Ghost give me a prophetic word right now, I'd walk up and down these aisles and I'd talk to some people that have made shipwreck of their life. There's people in this room whose marriage was a shipwreck, but God picked them up, rescued them, and they're still married today because the breath of the Spirit of God had power to raise them up. People in this room that if they had time to testify would tell you when substances had held them down. Amen. But now they're clean. And they're not waking up in the morning looking for a bottle or a syringe or a pipe or any other thing. Because the, the Spirit of God has lifted them up. You're going to get us in the altar and try to get us to speak in tongues? You better believe I am. But it's not just a tongue, friend. Do I have to? No, you get to. You get to have the breath of God. Fill your spirit. And it's more than a mumble. It's more than a syllable. Oh, friend, it's power to get up. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I don't know if I need it. Would you let that thought sit down? I don't know if it will happen for me. Tell that doubt to sit down. I'm afraid of what it might look like or sound like. Tell the fear. Sit down. And when you finally get your flesh sat down, the Holy Ghost says, I'm ready to stand up inside of you. Lift you up and put you where you belong. Will you? Just stand with me to your feet all over the house if you would please super simple tonight if you're in a low place you're teetering on revival if you find yourself knocked down but not knocked out you're teetering on resurrection if you find yourself low powerless overwhelmed and overcome Oh, you are teetering on hallelujah a spirit infilling and a spirit uprising one more time, let all of God's people say, For the Lord is good, and His mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah.